Welcome to 2021. This is the first Sunday of the new year, and we can literally say hindsight is 2020. That was the joke Sherry was going to share earlier, but I took it. But, and we're going to be talking about being equipped for the new year. And as a side note, I want to share something with you. Uh, I'm going to ask you this question first. Has anyone ever given a gift and thought, I hope they enjoy it, just not around me? Some examples. Stop. Um, yeah, some examples like toys that make lots of noise, right? That's all we can think about. Or, or the football that you say you can play with but not in the house. Or, or how about that drum set? All right, anybody do that? You grandparents in the room, how many of you have given one of these gifts, maybe even intentionally? Uh-huh, yeah. I knew it. I, granddaughter, yeah. Yes. That's, yeah, that's a great way to torment ex-spouses. Absolutely. I love where your heart's at. Um, and I want to give credit. I gave credit to my stepdaughter, but actually I think Sherry gave me this, but my stepdaughter's still amazing. She gave me a joke book for Christmas called Dad Jokes. And I immediately shared some with the family and they kind of gave me the same look like Becky's giving me now, like, oh Lord, um, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to use these powers for good and sparingly. The 2020 joke was, was it for this morning? But this week's scripture to remember that uh, was from 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17. Um, and that's what Becky read. And let me read it again. It says, all scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So that the servant of God, or some translations say the man of God, may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And some other translations say like the man of God may be thoroughly or completely well-prepared and proficient. And I like those words, but really gives it power for me is thoroughly. I love that. We are thoroughly complete. We are thoroughly prepared. We are thoroughly equipped. And what God is offering when he does that, actually what, what God is desiring is to, for us to be complete in every detail. Not just superficially, not just temporarily. And this is so we can do every good work. And good work is something that's beneficial and useful, not just for us, but for others. Hebrews 10.24 tells us to spur others on in love and good deeds. That is good work. And we should all please other believers for their own good in order to build them up in faith. That's Romans 15.2. That is good work. And good work reflects the goodness of God. Paul had a, a study, an understudy, Timothy, and he wrote two letters to Timothy that became 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy. And Timothy was off preaching uh, in the land, and, and Paul wrote a couple letters to him. And in 1 Timothy 4.12, he encourages him. He says, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Reflect what is good, every good work. It says, he loves righteousness and justice. This is God. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. We can see that outside the window. It just looks good. And we know this, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. We are to be prepared for every good work. But don't miss every, every good work. It may be very conspicuous. You may, you may have a pulpit but it may not. You may be leading a life of example. We talked about that this morning, with the way people just live a life that is not, it's very conspicuous, but it's not over the top and knowing that they're doing the Lord's good work. And maybe it's a task. Maybe the Lord's work is a task, a ministry. And maybe it's more about a person. 
Maybe it's a full-time, long-time thing, and maybe it's not. But Psalms 90, 17 says, May the favor of the Lord our God rest on us. May it establish the work of our hands. Apostle Paul writes the early church in Corinth, these words found in 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Again, a letter. It says, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. In Joshua 9, we find these words of encouragement. He says, have I not commanded you? Be strong, strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And then Paul goes back and, and expands all. He says, God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. These are the things that we're equipped for, to go and to reflect God, to, to do his work. Perhaps you're expecting me to give you a list of, of the tools, right? What they are. I've got this screen of a Swiss army knife that's got everything. You can, if you were MacGyver, you can do everything to chop down a tree and open a bottle of wine and I don't know. But, but these, God gives you these tools. And if you're waiting for me to tell you exactly what your tools are, I'm not. Because if, whether there's 10 people in this room or 10,000 people in this room, God has that many different purposes and that many different plans. And it would be responsible and also a little disingenuous for me to stand up here and say, God has equipped you all to do X. Because that's not how it works. He has called you to share the gospel. He wants a relationship with you. But how you do it and how you do it and how you do it is different. Paul in Romans 12, 6 through 8 says, Since we have gifts and differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. If prophecy according to the proportion of his faith, if service in his service, or he who teaches in his teaching, or he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. It's not what tools he gives you, it's how you use them. You can hear that. And he writes in 1 Corinthians 12, 8, 11, For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit. Same Spirit, different gifts. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. And to another, the effecting of miracles. And to another, prophecy. And to another, the distinguishing of spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. And to another, the interpretation of tongues. So many gifts, so many possibilities, so many tools that he can equip you with. Now, I can't tell you what that is for this congregation, but I can tell you with full honesty and sincerity that God has called each one of us to seek him, to accept the gift of grace and salvation that he has made possible through Jesus Christ, to share this good news with others and to love him, love others, and don't forget to love yourself. And when it comes to particulars of your calling, your purpose, and isn't that what we really want to know, what am I here for? When it comes to your calling, your purpose, when it comes to knowing the blessings that God has in store for you, I can offer this. It's an invitation. So I invite you, actually, I, I encourage you to read God's word and ask him directly through prayer or his guidance, for his guidance, and for him to reveal his will. You know, I got a, a, a voicemail last night from someone not a, a part of this church, and they said, I would, you know, I need to confess in my natural reaction, you were like, okay, well, good. But you don't confess to me, okay? 
Now, if you had wronged me, that's different. Remember, we talked about Matthew 18. You confess and we talk it out. But if you wrong someone else, you confess to them and you confess to God. That's repentance. That's the glory of Christianity. That's the glory of the cross. That's the glory of, both candles are out now. Um, that is the glory of, of the resurrection. We don't have to sit in a room and invent the errors of our ways. Now there's accountability, right? We are accountable for what we do. And a good friend, a good spouse holds you accountable. But I don't confess my sins to you I, unless I sinned against you. I confess my sins to God and then I repent. Got a little off topic, but that was relevant. I can also offer you this assurance though. If he calls you or when, when he calls you, he will equip you to whatever he calls you to. And God is patient and he'll give you an opportunity to do what's right. He'll wait on you sometimes. Last week we referenced Moses. Now Moses was a reluctant leader. God called Moses by name in a burning bush and he promised a land flowing with milk and honey. Now that's not my vision of paradise, but that spoke to Moses. For me, it's maybe something different, but God said, Moses, I am your God. I have a plan for you. You need to do this and this is what I promise for you. And Moses, he says, who am I that I should go to the Pharaoh and bring the people out, out of, of Israel, out of Egypt? It's from Exodus. He says, who am I? Why should I? And God asserted his authority and identity says, I am the I am. Now that sounds a little cryptic, but he's saying, I, that's who I am. I am, I am. I mean, just period. And when God validated his message to Moses by miracles, Moses thought up another excuse. Listen to this exchange. This is from Exodus 4, 10 through 12. It says, then Moses said to the Lord, please, Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither recently nor in times past, nor since you have spoken to your servant, for I am slow of speech and slow of tongue, right? He said, I'm not equipped for this. And what God says, the Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth? Or who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now then go, and I, even I, will be with your mouth and teach you what you are to say. The Lord equips him. We know what happened for Moses, right? He was successful. He did exactly what God called him to do. And what was fortunate, unfortunate, whatever, he never made it to the promised land himself, but he fulfilled his part of the story. But the story of Gideon, that's another one we don't talk about too often. When the Lord told him that he would rescue Israel, he replied, pardon me, Lord. And this is actually a quote in, in the, um, the Bible. It says, pardon me, Lord, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest of Manasseh, and I am the least of my family. That's in the book of Judges. And then what does he do? He demanded a sign which the Lord graciously granted. And later he again asked for another sign. And this is the fleece test. This is found in Judges 6, which is interesting because Gideon kept changing the rules. If you are really God, then make this magic happen. And then the next night he says, nope, I saw that you did that. Now do it the other way. And it was a story of a fleece, which is lamb's wool, about moisture and being dew on it. So it's a good read. I don't want to tell you the whole story, but, but he tested God. Don't we ever negotiate with God? Don't we test him and say, uh, if you really want me to do this, then you need to do you know, this for me, God. We negotiate. And then Saul, who would become Paul the Apostle, who wrote the majority of the New Testament, he persecuted Christians. He became one. He taught one. And he writes a lot of the scriptures that we read, the epistles that we read today, even this morning. 
God equipped him with what he needed to change his life, to be the person that God needed him to be. He's no longer Saul, the Roman tax collector, the the persecutor of Christians. He's now Paul, the apostle. And God will empower you when he equips you. You don't have to be perfect, right? We saw that already. You just have to be well-equipped. So why fight it? I mean, it's our tendency. We, we question, we want validation. I think that's okay. Is it really from God? Is it match to the scripture of other people saying, yes, this is, this is kind of what they see needs to happen in my life? But once we've done that, we need to go or do. And when we do that, God will replace your fear with trust. It will replace your fear with confidence. That's why it's, Joshua says, be courageous, be courageous. And then 2 Corinthians 9, 8, Paul says, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. This is the culmination of being equipped and following through on the blessing. But I wanna share some practical steps on how we do this. First, read Ephesians 6, 10 through 20. Okay, find that in your Bible, Ephesians 6, 10 through 20, and learn the way God equips you personally with his full armor. Okay, we've talked about the armor, the helmet, the, the breastplate, the belt, the shoes. Okay, these are defensive weapons because it does say to fight against the devil's fiery arrows, but they're also offensive weapons because when you're armed with the truth and scripture and God's word, that helps you be equipped for whatever you need to do next. So read that, understand the full armor, Ephesians 6, 10 through 20. Second, pray continually. It says pray, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. Now, two-thirds of that's pretty easy. Thanks in all circumstances. That's a little tougher. Third, spend time in the Word. Read it for yourself and ask God what He wants to reveal to you. Participate in the Bible study or a discussion group. We have, we have two just in our church, and there's many more resources. But we do two Sundays mornings a month and every Wednesday night. For spend time in worship. You're here. I mean, you. it is beautiful outside, but you did have to drive through this stuff. Thank you for being here. If you're listening on, thank you for that. But spend time, not just an hour on Sunday in worship. And it doesn't mean you have to go home and, and sing the hymns. I mean, that's certainly a way to do it. You know what worship is. Think about God. So read, get familiar with the armor. Pray continually. Spend time in the word. Spend time in worship. Will you do that? And perhaps you're at a point in life where you're no longer praying for guidance with a career. I mean, we go through these life stages. Maybe you are. Perhaps you're at a point in life where you're no longer praying for God to lead you to a spouse, right? Maybe you are. Perhaps in your, you know, uh, you're at another point in your life that you're, you're like, how did I get to this point where now I'm just praying for a good doctor's visit or just my kids will call me more. My grandkids will call me more. But, but let me tell you, if you think some of these things that you were praying for before for jobs and, and relationships and all that is behind you, God's still not done with you. You're just at a little different phase. We talked about the seasons, right? You've already gone through that season, but you're in the next one. But if you have trouble, a hesitation, a doubt, or don't know where to start, I want to hear from you. Let's figure this out. I don't know what your gift is, but we can figure it out. We can figure out how God's equipping you. You've got certain joys in your life and you know what they are because those are the things you talk about and then you keep talking and you get excited about. God's put a passion in you. Let's, let's make that a ministry, you know? 
People think that it's about preaching. It's not about preaching. It's about serving. How fun is it to, to use what you really enjoy for God? Serving is, is one of the wonderful ways you can do that. But anyway, 2020, it was a, a particularly difficult year. And if I had stood up here the first Sunday last year and told you that there was going to be catastrophic wildfires in the West and there would be a new insect called a murder hornet moving its direction and rioting in cities and global pandemics and Seattle would be taken over by anarchists, you'd roll your eyes. You'd think I'd lost my mind, right? You would. It's the end of days, and, you know, and, and, and I can't tell you what's going to happen this year. I won't even try. won't even try. But I can confidently tell you that no matter what happens, there is a best and a worst case. And everything in between is relatively unimportant in the kingdom perspective, okay? There's good things and there's bad things. But in the grand scheme, there's a best case and worst case. The best case is that God has decided that 2021 is the year that Jesus returns, Okay? Because you know him and you get a direct pass, a golden ticket. You get to go through go and get $200, however you want to look at that. Jesus comes and you know him. You are saved. Worldly problems are over. Now, we've mourned this year for those we've lost. Those who've gone before us, before we were ready for them to go. But we celebrated because we know that they've cashed in on that promise. They're already there in heaven with Jesus if they knew him. The best thing that can happen this year is that Savior comes and we all receive that promise instantly together. This whole group, this whole church, whoop, lifted up. Here we are in heaven because Jesus came and got us. That's the best thing that could happen. The worst thing is Jesus still returns and someone doesn't know him. Time has run out and they don't have the relationship that guarantees them an eternity in heaven with him. God is no less keeping his promise because the covenant promise made through and sealed by the blood of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, is very clear about the way and what happens to those who don't pass through that narrow gate or opt for the wide gate and the broad road that leads to destruction. That's from Matthew 7, right? It sounds scary. It's a narrow gate, but it's, it's well-defined and it doesn't move. It is what it is. And God wants you to get there and he wants to lead you there, okay? And I promise you, you are equipped to make that trip. You are fully capable of making that decision, the most important decision you could ever make. Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? If not, do it now. If so, then I promise you, actually God's promises and the Tyler promise, you have nothing to fear. No matter what happens in 2021, 2022 or beyond, nothing at all because you've been fully, completely and absolutely equipped for whatever happens. This week's scripture was 2 Timothy, and it said that God's word is provided to make us complete. And last week when I was sharing the message with you, I, I poured a water into that glass, and I pointed out the space was taken up. It was occupied by water. Nothing else could be in that same space without removing it or altering it, but it is what it is. And I reminded that you, when you have joy in your heart, when you have faith in your future, and when you have Christ in life, they occupy a space that prevents anything else from being in that spot. And I told you that Jesus was going to fight pretty hard for that territory. God wants to equip you by thoroughly completing you, filling you with everything you need, not only get through this life, but to take joy in this life and to live it well, to live it abundantly, he says. And I just want to leave you with, with these words. It's a 
It's a benediction from the Apostle Paul who went from persecuting Christians to equipping them and encouraging them. So let's listen to these words of encouragement. It's from Hebrews 13, 20 through 21. It's a letter. He says, Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, may he equip you with everything good for doing his will, and may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. That's a benediction, but that is a blessing. Let's make that our prayer. Will you pray with me? Father God, we we stand here with uncertainty anyway, hopefully not a lot of anxiety, but certainly uncertainty about what's happening and what happens next. But we stand firmly on the promises that you are in control, that you see all things. Lord, we ask for your intervention where it's needed, but Lord, we ask that your will, not ours, be done. God, as you have equipped each one of us for the purpose you've called us to, help us to seek you. Help us to seek what that purpose is. And Lord, if there's a a conversation that needs to be had, a question that needs to be asked, let us be bold. God, I ask you continued guidance over this church, this congregation, all those who listen online. Lord, may your blessings for this new year be echoed by the words of Paul, asking you to equip us with every good for doing your will, to work in us in a way that is pleasing to you. And may all the glory for all that we do be yours forever. Amen. As is our tradition, the first Sunday of the month, we celebrate the Holy Communion. We, uh, we practice an open communion. And what that means is if you desire a relationship with Jesus, if you have a relationship with Jesus, you're welcome to participate. This is how we quiet our hearts and we just take a moment and we remember the words of Jesus Christ who on the night he was betrayed said, this is my body broken for you. He says, take and eat. And he poured the wine and the glass and likewise he gave thanks to God and he said, this is my blood. He said, this blood is the new covenant. This new covenant, which gives us a way to him. It establishes forgiveness for all of our sins and it doesn't come without some effort on our part. We must repent. We must confess and repent and seek him. So as we take the bread this morning, And we break it as his body was broken on the cross. And we take the wine and we pour it just as he poured his blood for our new covenant. I invite you to take the wafer and the juice to remember what the Lord has done.